Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. This morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Nathan and Jana Farr. They went to Germany with Envision, which is one of the arms of Alliance Missions, our denomination, and they returned. And so they're going to share a bit about their journey. Um, so as they come up, two fun facts that I have heard. Uh, one, Nathan grew up here. He is Clyde and Linda's number one son, I am told. Um, and then the other thing is that any old holes in the walls are still Steve and Sandy's fault. So, all right, please welcome Nathan and Jana. Good morning. We are Nathan Janifar. We have our son Isaac. He will be three in August. He is downstairs right now. Um, and so if you hang around, you might get to see him. He's very cute. He's worth the, uh, worth the look. But uh, <laughs> last time we were here, we shared about the challenge and invitation that was set before us um, by the LONCC, the Licensing Ordination Consecration Board in the Midwest District. They challenged us to go for three to six months overseas to really explore and dive into um, an overseas experience and see what God confirms in our lives. And so we did that, and we're here six months, over six months later, uh, just to give you guys a report, to encourage you, to challenge you, uh, just to share what we learned. Um, first of all, though, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for um, the financial support. Thank you for the prayers you guys um, have commented on some of our posts online, and we really, really appreciate it. That was a big encouragement for us as we were overseas. And so once again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, you guys did well in encouraging us. Um, I don't see the slide. If we could get the first slide up. Ah, oh, there it is. All right, now we're rolling. So we're going to, um, we're just going to share about our story. We'll have some different stories for you. We'll explain about our experience, what Berlin is like, um, so I'm going to turn it over to Jana now. The Alliance's theme for 2023 is Be Present. And Envision Berlin strives to be present in the midst of their neighborhood. The, uh, the office where we worked in Berlin is named Sprig. And the idea behind naming the office Sprig is found in Ezekiel 17, where God says that he will take a sprig from the top of a cedar tree and plant it so that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. This will give shade for every kind of bird to nest under. And we'll come back to this, um, these thoughts of being present and being planted, so keep those in mind. And to give you a better idea of how international Berlin is, here are some statistics about Berlin's demographics. Berlin has over 190 countries represented, but here are some of the ethnicities with the greatest populations in Berlin. And Berlin has the largest Turkish community outside of Turkey. So what does it look like to be present in a city of this many different ethnicities and cultures? Part of being present is getting to know culture around you, and part of culture is food. So we had Mexican, Thai, American, Italian, Turkish, Indian, and Israeli food, all without, within about a 10-minute walk from our apartment. And most of what we tried in terms of German cuisine is called currywurst, 
And this is a sausage that is covered in a ketchup-based sauce, usually served with fries, and has a special curry-based spice that's sprinkled on top. So we had a lot of curry verse during our time there. Another food that we had um, a lot while we were there uh, was actually part of one of our ministry assignments. So we had different ministry assignments while we were there. One of our tasks was to intentionally go to an Arab restaurant to see if there was a natural, to see if God would bring her about a natural connection between us and the owner or the workers or other customers who might come on a frequent basis. And so we looked around, we did some Google searches, and we're like, what kind of food do we want? You know, what Arab shop do we want? What are the reviews? We finally settled on a, uh, a donor kebab shop. And so this is actually a Turkish shop. Um, there's a lot of, uh, again, as we mentioned, there's a, lot, there's a large Turkish population in Germany. And they have the, you know, that rotating slab of meat, and they shave it off. Um, and so we would go there. We'd purchase even things like pizza, a donor teller, which is a plate of meat, fries, salad, all that kind of stuff. Um, baklava, as you can see up there, that's one of my favorites. Um, and then we could also get chicken nuggets and fries for Isaac. So it was a win-win for us. <laughs> After about our third time there, the, uh, the workers asked us where we were from, because obviously we weren't from Germany. We couldn't really speak the language that well. And so we replied that we were from the Indiana, USA, and then asked where they were from, trying to make a connection here. And so one of the workers was from Kurdistan, and when they found out that we were from the United States of America, they said, we love USA! And it was a good connection to make. Unfortunately, that was near the end of our trip, and we weren't able to make much more of a connection than that. But it was a good strategy for us to learn just how to start to make connections with people. You see, it's not really, it is about the food, but it's not really about the food. We need to be intentional about the places that we go to, to make connections with people, to bring Jesus into their presence. And so that's what we were trying to do. Now, throughout this presentation, we're going to have a few challenges or a few questions for you to consider and think about. So I really challenge you to take these questions seriously. Some of these questions that we want to ask you, how are you being present in your neighborhood? and where God has specifically planted you. Have you considered cons consistently going to a restaurant, not just for the food, but to make connections with people and bring Jesus into their presence? Have you considered praying before and after in order that you might hear from God to see if there's a word that a waiter or waitress or business owner might need to hear? We challenge you to consider these things. So a little bit about public transportation in Berlin and what it looks like to be present as a family. First of all, like most of you, we are used to driving ourselves everywhere here in the States. So it was quite the change for us to have to figure out the tram, bus, subway, and train systems. And we definitely walked a lot more as well. Um, on the public transportation, the elderly and people who are pushing strollers are generally given priority and when you're on the tram, it's fairly quiet. Part of German culture is that you really don't talk with people that you don't know unless you have a reason. If you're in a small group and you want to converse, it's usually done fairly quietly. And we could quickly tell who the Americans were on the trams <laughs> and who was from a different country. And we began to notice that Isaac was able to get people's attention and that his smile would encourage others to interact with him. 
oftentimes Germans look stoic and they seem quiet and they keep to themselves, but I, Isaac would get them waving at him and cracking smiles back and forth. Once Isaac was interacting with a woman on a tram and after interacting with her for a few stops, she had to get off. So she told Isaac, Chusi, which is a lighthearted way of saying bye. And when it came time for us to get off of the tram, a couple of stops later, Isaac then waved to each passenger as we passed them and said, Chusi, Chusi, Chusi. <laughs> we also got to experience our first art exhibition at the gallery at Sprig. Um, this office space, there's two different uh, kind of spaces for it, two different doors. Uh, one is the main office space and the other door leads to an open gallery. And so creating a space for art and culture and faith to all come together is one of the goals of Envision Berlin. They really want to have good conversations with their neighborhoods and just invite people in and provide a, a space for that. And so this art exhibit, exhibit um, had a lot of pieces in it that seemed a little bit unfinished, and this was intentional by the, by the artist. Um, it was very beneficial for creating conversation starters from people from the neighborhood who attended this art exhibit. And so one way, before I continue, the, uh, the picture in the middle is actually of the, uh, the Lord's Table, the Last Supper. Um, and so you can see a little bit of how pieces in it are unfinished. Um, but one way of being present where we're planted was modeled to us by another intern who was working there at the same time. Um, this intern, his name was Zach, and he had invited a, um, another student from his language class, from his German language class, to the opening of the exhibit. And the guy he invited was Russian, and I got to watch as they both interacted with art. And this Russian guy was asking a lot of questions pulling out his phone, searching through it to look up different art pieces and what they might mean. And he was um, describing what stood out to him, to Zach, and he just dialogued a lot with Zach about the art. And Zach was just really able to be present with him in the moment, not worry about what was being said or what was being brought up, um, and just hang out with him. And then later in the year, there was a trivia night at the local Freitzeit house, which is called the Free Time House. Um, and that's like a community center where they put on different events. Again, I got to go, um, and Zach invited his Russian friend to come and be a part of the trivia night, which was hosted by the uh, church planting team there. And so it was a good, good model for me to see of how to be present with somebody and just hang out with them and answer questions about faith and culture and art and all of that. And I had the opportunity to assist Envision Berlin with our first publishing project. A Ukrainian woman named Ira is journaling about her life as a wife and a mom and is writing very honestly and openly about how she has wrestled with her faith during a time of war. Ira and her husband, along with their son, have chosen to remain in Ukraine and be present in their war-torn country. So some questions to think about. How are you being present? with people that God has planted in your life. Have you considered taking a class in something you're interested in while looking for an opportunity to develop a friendship with someone in the same class? Is there a non-threatening space where you can meet people? Part of our time over there was just learning about what international workers go through and how to live life in a different culture. And so I think that one of the things that we learned is that life and, 
activities and tasks just take a lot longer than you would expect. Think about having your dominant hand, so I'm left-handed, so think about having your dominant hand tied behind your back at all times. You have to do everything with your non-dominant hand, eating, writing, typing, everything. Eventually you'll be able to perform okay, but it's never quite the same as operating with your dominant hand. And I think this is what it can be like when you're living overseas. Tasks just take a lot longer to finish. Living in a different culture does not feel natural and your brain just has to figure out how do I do things in this new environment? And so I think our life can be sometimes like a puzzle that's being put together. You've been putting each piece in its place, you figure out where it goes, you're like, ah, I know where this goes, and your life is starting to be uh, more and more complete. And so when you go overseas, you stop putting pieces in their puzzle, you pack everything into a box, and then on the trip overseas, the box kind of gets jumbled up. Now you have to start over and figure out where to put each piece again. And so um, we'll give you some practical examples of that. It's everything from, and I'm sure that most of you have moved, so this might be a little familiar to you. It's everything from when you wake up in the morning and you say, man, where did I put those coffee grounds? And how do I operate this coffee machine that's now in German? Which button do I press? Um, it might be going to a new supermarket. And you see we had, in Germany, the supermarket's a little bit different because it's a big city, you have really small supermarkets, and so you can't really find everything that you need, so you have to go to two to three different supermarkets to get the food that you need for just a couple of days. Um, not only that, but you're trying to figure out what herb is this, what spice is this, is this really the food that I want, is this really the meat of one? Um, and your brain is just overwhelmed by all these different decisions and trying to figure things out. You're pulling out your phone, looking up the translation, be like, oh no, I don't want that. Oh, maybe, maybe I want this, let's see what this is. Um, so it's all of those kind of practical things. A half-hour trip to the supermarket here in the States or a 45-minute trip might turn into a two-hour trip when you're overseas. Things take a lot longer to do. But you're putting your puzzle back together, right? And so you're figuring out where each piece goes. Let's go a little bit deeper. Um, imagine, if you will, being in a language class where you're taught sentence structure, grammar, and verb tenses but you don't have the vocabulary yet to even make a full sentence. And so when you get into a conversation with a German, they say a full sentence rapidly, and your brain is just trying to figure out one word of what they just said and see if you can gather enough from the context of what they might be talking about. Um, some of the other things that we went through, imagine waking up in the morning, being in a good mood, and then by afternoon your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts all plummet for no apparent reason. Imagine having the things that trigger you come to the surface more visibly and more often. Imagine feeling like your thoughts are clouded most of the time and that you're just trying to make your way through a fog each and every day. Imagine just getting into a routine with life and work and then having your schedule change every couple of weeks when you're craving that stability. Imagine experiencing decision fatigue where you're so inundated with having to make decision after decision after decision after decision that it seems so daunting just to make one more decision. Imagine looking forward to a holiday season and looking forward to baking traditional treats 
and you find yourself in an apartment without an oven. It's hard to bake without an oven. And you also have to realize, man, I really want these holiday treats. These are traditional things that I grew up with. And then you start to think about it and realize, it's going to take me a full day just to gather ingredients from across the city, because some of them are specialized ingredients, right? And then, so you have to travel around the city, you have to go to several different stores, and then because you don't have an oven, you have to go to a coworker's home or to the office that has an oven, which is about half an hour away from you, uh, make all the stuff, and then finally travel home exhausted in the evening to celebrate what should be a joyful celebration. That happened to us, we didn't have an oven, and so we eventually decided, you know what, we're just coming back in a few months, we'll bake everything then. <laughs> But these are realities of international workers. They have to deal with these kind of decisions and these kind of realities in their midst, where they're planted. Now, do you remember how I mentioned life was a big, or life could be like a big puzzle that's being worked on? There's an artist by the name of Tim Klein. He discovered that some of the big name puzzles, um, they just have the same patterns when they cut out the different pieces. And they just print different pictures on them. And so I think Tim's artwork is a good example of what happens when internationals grow up in one culture, and then they move and they start to incorporate some of that other culture into their life. It might look a little bit like this. It's a beautiful picture, serene. I think some of us think that international workers' lives are like this. They get to work in exotic locations. They're experts in what they do. And life is just beautiful for them. That's true in some cases. But maybe international workers' lives might look a little bit like this. <laughs> maybe they don't know if they're a horse or a train and they're just going full steam ahead, full gallop, and life is just extremely busy for them. Life has worked at a fast pace overseas. And I think the reality might be a little bit more of a mixture like this, where international workers are the church overseas, they're in a different culture than what they grew up. Life is still super busy. They might feel like they're on a merry-go-round and they're flying around the church at times. And it feels like they're going in circles. But the light of God is still being shown on people's lives. So our challenge for you in this section is, how are you being present with yourself? How self-aware are you? And do you know what things cause an emotional response in you and why? Have you asked God to identify lies that you believe about yourself and replace those lies with his truth? Berlin is a very complicated and complex city. It's seemingly filled with contradictions and yet strives for unity at the same time. Berlin tries to deal with Germany's complicated history and with the recent history of Germans during World War II and afterward in such a way that where they are reflecting and they're trying to learn from their past and yet still move forward in a healthier way. The unfortunate matter is that all this history combined with the destruction that happened during World War II as well as the effects of communism in Berlin um, and in Northeast Germany, created an atmosphere where culture and religion were eventually viewed on the same uh, level as fairy tales. 
So religion in Germans' minds, a lot of Germany's, Germans' minds, uh, is viewed on the same level as fairy tales. And so today, less than 1% of Germans in Northeast Germany are churched. Less than 1%. And this means that there are several generations of people who have not even heard about God. Several generations. You'll see picturesque steeples poking up through the skyline of Berlin. But these churches are, by and large, are not evangelical in nature. And part of the culture of most religious organizations in Germany seems to be that whatever is taught from the lectern or pulpit is the final word on the matter. So there's no room for pushback at all in religious organizations and in churches. And this is different than German culture in general, where pushback is accepted and encouraged. And I'll let Jana speak a little bit more to that. So for example, a recent church plant north of Berlin in a beautiful setting along the largest freshwater lake in Germany meets regularly and has a simple service. For Germans, it's important to belong to a club or an organization. And at this particular church plant, a couple who are self-described atheists have been attending. During their service, there's usually a time to read scripture, and then they split into different groups and talk about the scripture. In one of these groups, the atheist couple told one of the leaders that while the family does not believe in God, they really appreciate the chance to come, listen, ask questions, and challenge what's being taught without fear of being shunned. Pushing back and asking questions has become a cultural value for Germans. To some of us, myself included, it might appear as though Germans are being very critical and not taking anything at face value. They have a ja aber culture, which means yes, but for example, in classes, it is expected that students push back against the teacher and argue respectfully. If someone disagrees, the expectation is that they will voice that disagreement right away and get things out into the open. So why are they critical? Why all the pushback? In part, because of the willingness in the past of Germans to go along with commands given by those in authority, and they desire to never again blindly follow authority. So again, some challenge questions for you to think about. What have you learned about the culture around you? What are elements of our American culture that seem to stand out to you? And where is Jesus working amongst our culture? There were some things that we learned about in regards to being present in ministry. One of the main ministry projects I was involved in was a research project. And the overall theme of the project was to see if we could find a spiritual root of division and disunity that the team leader had seen in the area for over a decade of work there. We read through multiple books on German history, and we looked for messages of hope from German Christian pastors during recent eras, including Dietrich Bonhoeffer. While we didn't find any conclusive singular spiritual root, we were reminded of biblical principles that would help international workers and believers have healthier conflict. So we realized that all conflict is not avoidable. We will have conflict wherever we are. Um, but we realized that if one can have healthier conflict, it's much better for all involved. And so I'd like to share a couple of, um, a couple of slides that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or a couple of quotes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He writes, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, 
no matter how much trouble he causes me. There's no dislike, no personal tension, no estrangement that cannot be overcome by intercession as far as our side of it is concerned. He also writes, Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. I have community with others, and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his words become the one and only thing that is vital between us. I think the other thing that we noted is that if your identity is secure in who you are in Christ, that you are a child of God, loved by God, and that Jesus' death and resurrection has settled what your value is. If you believe that deep in the depths of your soul, and it's not just a belief in your mind, then I think when we get into conflict, when we get into arguments, there's no need to be defensive. There's no need to be offended. Your value is in who you are in Christ. And I think that we as Christians need to appropriate this truth that we are deeply loved by God. So to bring that into our current reality here in America, maybe it's time that if you are a Republican or a Democrat, you sit with the other person instead of arguing, you find out who that person is. You find out why they think they do. And if you appropriate that truth that you are deeply loved by God, and that your value is settled at the cross, then those offenses get cast away. God's love in who you are is the only thing that matters. And so our challenge for you for this section, have you looked at the history of this area here in Kelso and Longview? Have you looked at the history of this area to see what spiritual roots are here? What cultural elements put you into unrest? Explore that. Find that out. Figure out why you're at unrest. And then what elements of our culture, American culture, are contributing to disunity and division? Bring those before our, our Father in heaven. Ask him what he wants you to know about those. And then sit there and listen. I think when I talk about praying with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, intercessing for somebody that you might have a conflict with, I'm not talking just about a one-time prayer or five minutes of prayer. I'm talking about months of prayer. That's how committed we need to be this, to this intercession. What did we learn about our calling? We learned that we can live overseas in a different culture. And first and foremost, our calling is to belong to Jesus. And we believe the next assignment God has given us to, is to pursue full-time overseas ministry. Before, during, and after this six-month journey, we have seen God give us green lights and big open doors to walk through as we've pursued him in this context. So what's next for us? What's next for us? Um, I need to pursue ordination with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, I'm currently conditionally accredited, um, but there's a two-year process that I need to go through in order to become ordained. And so that is what's called an ALME, Alliance Licensed Ministry Experience. And that'll probably happen in the Midwest District. We're currently looking to find 
um, a city and a place to go to in the Midwest District uh, to do that experience. And then we hope to go overseas afterwards, um, hopefully in 2025. Where is God calling you to deepen your roots? We talk about being present where you're being planted. Where is God calling you to deepen your roots? And is God calling you to be uprooted into a different culture? Consider that. To close, I would like to share with you a short devotional that I wrote for part of a prayer retreat that Jana helped plan. And I think it fits well in this theme of being present and being planted. So the title of it is A Living Creation. Planted, we are chosen by God. Grounded, we are the branches and he is the vine. Rooted, we deeply hold on to who Jesus says we are. Fruitful, we have abundance that flows from life with the Spirit. Generous, we give freely because we have freely received. Life-giving, the world will know us by the love that is within us. Intertwined, we are members of one body. Fragrant, we are the aroma of Christ. Do you realize, O oh Christian, that in your roaming around this earth, when you feel detached from things you hold sacred, when you feel unsettled or drift like a seed carried by the wind, and also when you feel like you have found your home, that you have been planted by God? Do you realize that you are rooted and grounded in the one who nourishes and gives you life? Do you understand that his love covers you, drapes over you, clings to you, and is caked to you so much that no matter what you have done, and no matter how much you resist, no matter how much you scrub, no matter how much you try to sanitize, or run away from, or deflect, or explain away, his love remains on you, and that you are loved by him. Like Pigpen, the little boy in the comic strip Peanuts, who most of the time is surrounded by a cloud of dust and flies, Think of being marked by this love in such a visual way that you are described as one who is filthy generous. A cloud of generosity is upon you wherever you go. Seen by the world as the fruit of the Spirit is shown in abundance. This filthy generosity fills the air, envelops those around you, and fills the world with the aroma of Christ. Hold on to each other. Spur each other on. Encourage each other. As a vine climbs up latticework, may you be so intertwined with each other that as you walk and roam the earth, you create bridges to all people. Be planted. Be grounded. Be rooted. Be fruitful. Be generous. Be intertwined. Be fragrant. Be a living creation. Thank you. you join me in praying for Nathan and Jana. Uh, Father, thank you uh, that we were able to hear from Nathan and Jana this morning. Uh, thank you that their love for you and their desire to follow you is so evident uh, and it encourages us and challenges us. As uh, they pursue the next steps of this journey of going overseas to, to serve you there uh, through the process of ordination and placement in the Midwest, would you remind them of 
your calling? Uh, would you remind them that you're present, that you love them? Would you give them peace um, amidst the waiting time as well? Uh, I pray also uh, for us as we listen to their challenges of being present. Would you give us the eyes to see the opportunities you have placed in our lives in the everyday and ordinary situations we find ourselves in, in our homes and neighborhoods and workplaces, the restaurants we go to, um, that we are your ambassadors here. Um, give us the courage to speak words that you give us um, and remind us that we, none of us uh, does this on our own, that you, this is your work that you have called us all to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.